morning, I want to talk to you about closeness with God. I believe as a church, we should be close to God. Show of hands, how many of you want to be close to God? Well, I want this to be a true and honest statement. How many of you really want to be close to God? Put your hands down. How many of you hadn't even thought about that lately? Don't raise your hands. <clears throat> we'll pray for you. Closeness with God. Cheryl and I have been married for 15 years. We've been together for 19 years. We just celebrated our 15th year a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's been good years. It's been great years, and lately it's just getting better. I'm believing it's like wine. It's just going to get better and better. Amen? And so Cheryl and I have developed a, a, a very tight relationship. Nobody knows each one of us like we know each other on this planet. Right? God knows us more than each other, but on this planet, we're the only two that know each other this good. Cheryl knows me as daddy to my kids. She knows me as friend. She knows me as a leader. She knows me as a pastor. She knows me as a business owner. And she knows me as a lover. Only Cheryl can know me as a lover. Only Cheryl can know me in that intimate place in my life. Amen? She's the only one allowed there. That's by me and by God. Nobody else can know me like that. But in order for us to know each other as lover, we have to first do what? We have to come together. Right? There has to be a moment where you get together. I'm going somewhere with this. Some of you are going, I wish I left my kids at home. <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only way for us to know each other that way is for us to come together. Amen? There has to be a meeting together. I'm not going to go into any more details. You can relax. Okay? The only way we're going to ever know God is if we come close to God. Let me show you a verse. James chapter 4, verse 8. Very simple verse, but a very powerful verse. It says this. It says, come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wow. Who initiates that? Well, I didn't hear you. Who initiates that? So God's word says, you come close to me and I will come close to you. Wow. <laughs> What's keeping you from God? What's keeping you from being close to God? What's stopping you from being close to God? What's the roadblock? What's the barricade? What's the stronghold? What's the chain? What's the weight? What is it that's keeping you from God this morning? What is it? Because we all want to be close to God, right? But I think if we would be honest, all of us in this room would say, I would sure like to be a little closer. Listen, I love looking at my wife. I lust after my wife constantly. The only thing better than lusting after my wife is getting real close to my wife. Come on, this ain't awkward. We're Cajun people. We talk about this all the time. You talked about this all day, all, all week at work. So don't, don't come here and act all religious like we can't talk. Anyway, I'm going to get wound up. Come close to God and he will come close to you. I heard somebody say one time, you're as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God right now as you want to be. 
Can I tell you something? I've gotten scared of God from time to time, and I've run from him. There's been times I've gotten close, and he began to whisper things to me that scared the living daylights out of me, and I ran. Because I didn't know what to do with that kind of information. Are you hearing me? I didn't know what to do. It scared me. I took off running. I was like, man, if this is what it's like being close to God, then I don't know if I can handle it. Too much responsibility. And I've run. And I've gotten to a place in my life where I've gotten real empty and real hollow. And the flesh starts taking over. Come on, you with me? And things started getting, started getting out of line. We're as close to God as we want to be. When did your pursuit of God stop? Did it stop after salvation? You know, many believers come to Christ and they give their lives to Christ and they have this holy moment in their life and it's just like there's an adrenaline. It's not really adrenaline, but it's like adrenaline. You got this feeling, okay? It manifests when you give your life to Christ and you surrender and you confess your sins to him and he cleanses those sins off of you. There's this moment, right? You remember that? It's like a freshness in your life. It's like you finally found what you've been looking for, right? And then what happens if you never go from there? What happens if you stop right there? It eventually begins to fade away. We joke around and we say, you know, when you got saved, you had enough faith to get a parking spot at Walmart on the front row. But now when you go to Walmart, you curse because you can't find a parking spot. What changed? Or better yet, what didn't happen? Did your pursuit stop whenever you got saved? Because you see, that's not God's intention is that he would just save you and then leave you here and never get to know you so that you could go and spend eternity with him. You see, I believe God wants to build a relationship with us while we're here on this planet. So when we get to heaven, we don't have to build a relationship anymore, right? We can just relate. As some people say, we just have some relations. Y'all didn't catch that. It'll hit you in a minute. (laughs) Things felt good for a while. But if we're honest, sometimes they get stale. Come on, let's 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 not let's put the guards down this morning. We've all been at points in our lives where our relationship with God has gotten stale. There's not a man or woman in this room that can say, "I've I've never been in a stale place with God." You're lying. The question is, is are you going to stay in that stale place? You know, there's not a single excuse good enough to to tell Jesus on judgment day why you stopped pursuing God. There's not one single excuse good enough for you to to stand before Jesus and he say to you, why did you stop pursuing? And you, you don't have an excuse. There's not an excuse known to man that's going to get you out of a or justify you not pursuing God while you were on this planet. I don't know about you, but that scares me. Because when you take all my excuses away, it puts all the responsibility on my back. Amen. You know how it is. The devil's trying to, he's trying to give us excuses to stop chasing after God, right? Come on. People offend you. Pastor didn't shake your hand at church. You might have lost your job. Somebody might have cussed you out. Somebody might have showed you the number one sign on the highway. Come on. 
and you let that thing affect your relationship with God. You might be fighting with your spouse. Come on. And you say, oh, well, if, if I'm fighting with my spouse, then I don't have time for God. I don't have time for him. I'm going to fix this thing myself. Let me tell you how the devil works for a moment. Can I do that? He comes up to you, and I wish it Come Andrew. You and I are close enough if my breast thinks it's all good. The, the devil comes up behind you like this. He says, you know, you know what they said about you. You know, if God really loved you, he would, your marriage would be perfect all the time. You know, your boss, he really doesn't like you. You know, if that, those people at church, they hate you. When's the last time they invited you for lunch? True that. Don't. That was a setup from God right there. Let me prophesy over you real quick. Somebody's going to buy you lunch today. But he comes up to you. Am I right? Have you heard this? You know how they feel about you. They're always right and you're always wrong. Right? Come on. You're no good. Everybody knows you're no good. But you know what you can do? You can do it all by yourself. You don't need these people. You don't need God. Come on. Any of that sound familiar? He cannot come to you, grab you on the shoulder, and pull you away from God. Satan cannot do that. He does not have that kind of power. So stop saying, well, Satan made me do it. Amen? We as a church got to learn how to tell the devil where to go. Spend a little less time cussing people and start cussing the devil. Watch what James says, chapter 4, verse 7. Dear goodness, I hope you brought your Bibles today. James says this, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, period. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, put a little resistance against him. If you want to be in a relationship with God and you want to be close to God, you're going to have to do a little bit of resisting, amen? You got to put your hand and say, oh, no, sucker, you ain't going no further than that. Listen to me. As the head of my household, I've had to speak to my wife when she calls and says, well, you know, they said this and they said that. And I hear the enemy speaking to her. And she's repeating what she heard. And you know what I got to do? I got to man up, right, because I'm putting my closeness with her at stake. <laughs> That's why most men won't buck up to their wives is because they're afraid to lose their closeness. And let me give you a little insider. If you'll buck up to your wife, she'll actually get a little closer. Come on, women, that was a good chance to say amen. There's times I got to look at her and I got to say, you're not going to say that anymore. That's a lie from the devil. That is not the truth. How do you know that's true? Well, I just know. No, you don't just know. The devil's been lying to you. And you're not resisting him. Come on. It takes some resistance, amen? Listen, God wants you to have good relationships. He doesn't want you just to tolerate people. He wants you to be in relationship with people. The only way to be salt and light in this earth is you've got to be in a good relationship with somebody. I heard somebody say one time that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. I believe we all want a good quality of life. But I believe also sometimes we don't want to work on the quality of the relationship. Sometimes we settle for a truce. 
even in marriage. I'm getting mad about this one. There's nothing more embarrassing than to see a husband who's called a truce with his wife and he won't speak into her life and he won't breathe life over her and he won't correct her and he just lets her run wild and free. It's embarrassing. I don't care if you look like me 100% man. If you're not husbanding your wife, if you're not speaking into her life, it was the last time you corrected her in love. Come on, men of God. Well, y'all love me now. Andrew, you might get lunch, but I ain't. God's man is not afraid to stand up at any moment and at any time to any person. They just got to learn how to stand up. You stand up in love. See, I've never had an issue standing up. Never. My issue's always been that I stand up the wrong way, straight up in the flesh. You'll see the veins in my head, these little muscles right here, they'll start popping out. A few people have thought that was my horns, but I've never had a problem standing. I've always had a problem on how I stood. It's taken me 15 years just to learn how to begin to correct my wife and to begin how to begin to speak into her life. 15 years God's been dealing with me about my attitude and how I stand up. He knows I'll stand up. But how do you stand up? I want to be close to God. Remember, Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy something in every area of your life. He's always looking for an area to tear up in your life. Amen? He's not going to quit, so you just soon know he's there. And you just soon know that as soon as everything starts feeling like it's going good, you better get ready. Just as soon as you start smelling the roses in your relationships, (laughs) what comes? All Hades. The question is, is are you going to resist? There's only two things that can keep us from the presence of God. The first one is sin slash iniquity. Sin is a one-time occurrence. Iniquity is something that you habitually do. Sin and iniquity will keep you away from the presence of God. You know why? Because God doesn't believe that you can have your cake and eat it too. God's not going to let you run around all day long fulfilling the the desires of your flesh and then come to him when it's convenient for you to say, Lord, I want to spend some time with you. That's not the God that I read about in the Bible. Amen. He's not going to let you run around buck wild doing all kind of crazy things and then think you're going to walk back up into the house and say, Lord, here I am. How you been? Sin and iniquity will keep you from the presence of God. Number two, an unhealthy fear will keep you from the presence of God. The kind of fear that says you can't go back. The kind of fear that says, you know what, God's going to destroy me. 
the kind of fear that runs from God. You know what you want to know what that fear looks like? When Adam and Eve realized that they messed up in the garden, what they did, they took off, they hid themselves, and they made coverings for themselves, right? That's that's unhealthy fear of God. That's not the God I read about in the Bible. If that was the case, then you would never be able to say in 1 John that when you sin, if you're faithful and just to to confess your sins to Jesus, he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all your iniquities. If God was that type of God that you could never come back to him, then he would never be able to say, if you'll confess your sins, he'll forgive you. You got to have a healthy fear of God, not an unhealthy fear. Amen? The first thing we need to have to to be in the presence of God or to come close to God is we have to have a healthy fear of God. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 to 21. When you got it, say got it. Reminds me of old school church. People brought their Bibles to church. Chapter 20, Exodus 20, verse 18 to 21. Look at what it says. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. They came to a place, Moses led the children of Israel to a place where they could be in God's presence. And they were so afraid with an unhealthy fear that they looked at Moses. They said, you know what? You speak to God then you come and tell us and that way, that way we won't die. Do you know the modern church sees a pastor that way? Well, pastor, you go and labor all week for a hot word for us and then come on Sunday and we won't read our Bibles. We won't take no responsibility for our own spiritual growth. I'm getting on a soapbox. I won't take any responsibility for my eternity. I'm just going to put it all on you, Pastor Jamie. You got big shoulders. You just, you hear from God and you tell us what God said and we'll believe you. But isn't it funny how every time it puts pressure on you, you start saying, oh, the pastor was off. That wasn't God. You know, Pastor Jamie, he could get in the flesh. Watch what Moses says in verse 20. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them. For God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. Let me tell you something. It's God's heart to be in everyone's presence. It's God's heart for you to be able to come into his presence. He never put up any boundaries. He never put up any roadblocks. He never did anything to stop you from coming into his presence. All he's ever said is that you're going to come into my presence with the right kind of fear and without sin and iniquity. It's God's design right here. You can see it. 
with Moses. God wanted to be in the presence of his people, and he wanted his people to experience his presence. But because they had an unhealthy fear of God, they were not able to go into his presence. Oh, you got to get this. Come on. You can't sit there and just keep saying that you're scared of God and that God just hates you and that he's all against you because all you're doing is listening to the, uh, the lies of the enemy. Sooner or later, you got to tell the enemy where to go and you got to get on about getting into a relationship with God. That's why James said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist him. Tell that sap sucker no. When your temptation comes, when that iniquity wants to come and it's rising up in you and your flesh is going, oh, we got to go get it. Oh, come on. Oh, we got to have it. Oh, that's what happens to me when Bluebell comes around. You ought to see. When all that happens, you got to say no. No. Get behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus, get behind me. If you read your Bible, you'll see that in the New Testament. Peter stood up against Jesus and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Peter's a disciple. He's the one that walked on water. Look at your neighbor and says, you know, sometimes you can act like the devil. Yeah, some of you scared. <laughs> You're scared. Stay in Exodus chapter 20 and look at verse 5. Because I want to show you God's heart. You getting something yet? Exodus 5, I mean 20, verse 5. He says this, he said, this is God speaking. He says, you must not bow down to them or worship them, talking about false gods. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. God loves you so much that he gets jealous when you put your attention and your affection to other places. He gets jealous when you spend more time at work than you do at his church or in his presence. He gets jealous when you watch more TV than you do spending time in his word and praying. Come on. He even gets jealous when you listen to more Christian music than you do sitting down praying. How do I know? I used to do that. I used to figure every day on the way to work, if I listened to Christian music, everything would be fine. One day I realized it don't work. It's good to listen to Christian music. It's good to feed your spirit. But that's not your relationship with God. He's a jealous God. Watch this. He says, I, I am a, <clears throat> your God am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. He's not going to tolerate it. Come on, you know how when your kids pass that line <laughs> and they act that way, especially this summer. You know how they're driving you crazy, mama. Right? All you mamas is about to lose it. Right? Trust me, raining for two weeks, my boy's been in the house. It's, it's going beyond my wife. It's getting to me now. I mean, the brother wakes up at 6, 7 in the morning, and he's 100 miles an hour till 9, 10 at night. And you keep that in a house, I don't care how big your house is, something's going to blow up. And it's usually mama or daddy. Amen? But there's certain things that I won't let my kids do. I won't tolerate it. You got to hear me on this. There's things that I don't tolerate. Number one is an attitude. You want the big fella to jump on you? Give me an attitude. Disrespect. Come on. Disobedience. Dishonoring. 
My kids don't cuss. At least not in my presence. And if I find out they did, they probably won't when I ain't around either. I don't tolerate that. They don't give attitude to their mama. They know better than to give it to me, but when they try to give it to their mama, I jump in. Are you hearing me? There are certain things I won't tolerate, and when you cross that line, there are certain repercussions or repercussions, however you want to say that word. You didn't come here because I'm eloquent. I'm an eloquent speaker. You should have said amen. God is a jealous God. He wants all of our attention. And the funny thing is, is that we spend more time running from God than we do running to God. And everything we need is found in his presence. Amen? Come on, life is only good when you're in the presence of God. But it's funny, we'll listen to the devil, we'll fall into the sway of this world, and we'll begin to do other things, we'll just kind of drift away from God. There's God. Hey, Lord, how you doing? Good to see you this morning. I got, you know, I got, I got some concrete pours this week, Lord. I'll catch up with you next week. Let me show you the difference between fear, unhealthy fear, and healthy fear. In Psalms chapter 89, verse 7, I'm going to give you two different translations of the same verse. And I want you to hear how it says this. In the New King James Version, the Bible says this in Psalms 89, 7. It says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Same verse in the New Living Translation. It says, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. A healthy fear of God is a healthy awe of God. Where you see God in such a high place and so glorious and so powerful and so majestic that you fall into this weird kind of fear of him. It's a reverent fear. Amen? It's an awe. Every time you get into the presence of God, you're just like, oh, oh Lord, you're awesome, Lord. I experienced that this morning during worship. I don't know about you, but I did. I had to get on my knees because I was in the presence of God. That's why I asked you if you was packing. Are you starting to see the difference? In order to explain fear to you, you first got to understand what fear is not. Fear is not being scared of God. Fear is not being afraid of God. Are you hearing me? That's the lie of the enemy. The enemy wants to tell you that you need to be afraid of God and that you can never be forgiven for what you've done and that God's mad at you, that he hates you, that he doesn't like you anymore. You've been kicked out the kingdom. Come on. All your rights have been taken away. And then what do we do? We start to drift. Right? We start believing the lie. Healthy fear is treating God with reverence and awe. It's a respect. It's an honor. It's reverence. It's awe. When you look at God, you're not, a, you're not afraid of him with a trembling kind of fear that makes you want to run. You're afraid of him because he's so majestic. He's so big. He's so loving. Are you hearing me?
the fear of what he wants from you? How do you get past that? I don't quite understand the question. You resist the enemy. You resist the enemy. The enemy is the one bringing the fear. Are you hearing me? The enemy is the one whispering in your ear and saying, hey, you need to be afraid. Hey, you can't do this. Hey, you can't do that. You can't. He gives you every excuse in the book not to be able to get close to God. When if you read the word of God, it gives you every excuse to be in his presence. Amen? It gives you every reason to be in his presence. It tells you how good he is and how awesome he is. It tells you that the God that is so big wants to turn around and be in your presence. Good question. Fear is also being <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting. Actually, I typed it. Fear is being afraid of being without God. A healthy fear of God is when you start to get afraid of getting away from him. You ever been scared when you knew you were slipping away? Come on, as a pastor, I see it all the time. People slipping away from God, they, they'll quit coming to church. They won't call me. They don't call anybody else in the church. Some of our regulars will see just, hey, have you heard from so-and-so? You know, I haven't heard from so-and-so. Slipping. And some people get mad and you say, oh, well, you just want me in church because you want my tithe check. Listen, keep your tithe check. I just want you to be in the presence of God. And I'm responsible for when I see you slipping to call you and say, hey, where you at? What you doing? Where you been? Healthy fear is when we take God's heart and we make it ours. You know what that means? That means when we begin to love what he loves, we begin to hate what he hates. What's important to him becomes important to us. That's a healthy fear of God. That you get so close to him, you start to hear his heartbeat, and you start to see what he's passionate about. When's the last time you read the scriptures and cried because of what Jesus did? When's the last time you got on your face in tears and said, Lord, I just want to get closer? I don't care how much of a macho man you are. Listen to me. I get on my knees and I cry before God. Because I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God. And God assures my manhood. And I believe real men need to be crying. Dear goodness, if Jesus could weep, a man could weep. Men, when's the last time you started weeping over something? I'm serious. And you're right, I'm mad. David, known as a man after God's own heart, he danced in the fields playing a harp. And some of us men in this church, we're too prideful to get on our knees and pray. Too prideful to even say the blessing when you're eating with other people at the dinner table. Come on. We can throw down in the spirit right now. 
you've got to get an understanding that you're going to be held accountable for what you do on this planet while you're here. And when you get to the judgment day and you stand before Jesus and he throws a screen up and he shows you your life, you don't have an excuse good enough to say why you wasn't the man of God that he designed you to be. If you're going to be a man, be a real man. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to have some compassion. Don't be afraid to raise your hands in church when the worship team's playing. Don't be afraid to sing. Don't be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus. Don't be afraid to to correct your wife or stand up and lead your household like you're supposed to. Don't be afraid. You cannot come into the presence of God without reverence and awe. If you've got pride in your life, if you've got arrogance in your life, if you've got sin in your life and you've got an unhealthy fear of God, you cannot come into the presence of God. So let me give you a little clue. If you're trying to get into the presence of God and you're hitting a wall or you're hitting resistance, then you might need to say, Lord, what have I done? Examine my heart. Examine my heart, Lord, because evidently I've done something. That's keeping me from your presence because I know, Lord, your word is true. And it says that if I'll come to you, you'll come to me. And you need to deal with that. You need to man up and deal with that in your life. If it's sin, deal with it. Confess it. If it's arrogance and pride, deal with it. I'm constantly having to get on my knees and and repent for something. I get nervous when I ain't been repenting. Amen? Because I know me. Whoo. Ain't good. There's two types of presence that we're talking about this morning. Well, there's two types of presence. The one I'm talking about this morning is the manifest presence of God. I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. The Bible says that he's omnipresent. That means that he's always here. He's always with us, okay? I'm not talking about that presence. I'm talking about the manifest presence where you get into a place with God in your prayer closet or wherever you're going, where you know that he's there and he knows that you're there. It's a manifestation of his presence. Some of you have never experienced that. That's okay. Today's message tells you that you can be there. Draw close to him. I don't know how you're going to do it. All I know is that for me, I got to put everything aside. I got to turn my cell phone off. I got I to gotta get into a place where the kids can't disturb me. Are you hearing me? And I got to get before him, and I can't put him on a time limit. There's been times I've been in the presence of God, and I've missed appointments, and I don't care. So what? The most important thing to me is to be in the presence of God. Well, you didn't make that meeting. Sorry, man, I was in the presence of God. I wasn't about to cut him short. You getting something yet? The second thing to be in in the presence of God is you have to be willing to obey him at all costs. The second thing you need is is a willingness to obey God at all costs. Go with me to John chapter 15, verse 14 and 15. I'm getting close to the end. 
John 15, verse 14. Jesus speaking here. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. How many of you want to be a friend of God? How many of you want to go from being a slave or a servant into a friendship with God? Let me tell you, there's a difference. A difference. The slave or the servant of God stays out in the field working all the time, and they never get to spend time with God in his presence. In other words, you never get to talk to the boss. As a business owner, I get afraid when people want to come talk to me because they usually want to ask for a raise, (laughs) whether they speak English or not. Somebody says they don't have English, let them ask you for a raise. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Watch this, verse 15. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You want to know what's going on in the kingdom of God? You got to get close to God. Amen? The situation with Moses and the children of Israel when they were so afraid, Moses knew what was coming next. You know what God did to Moses when Moses went into his presence? God spoke his plans to Moses. God spoke mysteries to Moses. God let him in on what's going to happen in the kingdom. If you want to know what's going to happen in your life, you need to get into the presence of God. Amen? If you stay away from him, he's not going to stay away from you. Only the people that get close to God get to know the mysteries of God. Jesus says, if if you'll obey my commands, you're my friend. Now, you remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? Abraham waited years and years for the promise of a son. How old was he when he got his first son? What's that? 100 years old when he got his son. The promise finally came through at 100 years old. God lets him enjoy him for a little while, and God says this to to Abraham. He says, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to go up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. Abraham, if you remember, in the Bible is called a friend of God. That actually says that in the New Testament. Abraham, the Bible says, got up early the next morning. He didn't hesitate. He didn't delay. He didn't argue with God. He didn't make excuses. The Bible says he got up early the next morning. He made preparations to go and sacrifice his son on an altar. Was it kind of weird? You bet. Did he understand? Nope. All he knew was that I need to obey God. And you know what? Sometimes God tells us to do things, and we won't do it until we understand why. And he won't move until you do it. If you think you're bullheaded, God can be bullheaded. Abraham goes and on his way up to the mountain early the next morning, Isaac's carrying the wood that's going to burn him. He's carrying the knife that's going to pierce his heart. He's carrying everything that that Abraham's going to use to sacrifice him. And on his way up there, he says, Daddy, 
Where's the sheep? And Abraham's response to him was in faith. He said, God will provide. Abraham obeyed when he didn't know how it was going to end. He obeyed no matter how it was going to come out, whether he was on top or not. Abraham had an understanding that if God was able to give me this promise of a son, if he tells me to sacrifice him, then he's going to give me another one. I don't understand, but I'm going because God said so. He gets up to the mountain. He makes the altar, ties his son up, places him on the, on the, on the altar, and he has the knife rose up in his hand, and he's getting ready to slaughter his son. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Mo, says Abraham, stop. And he stopped and he put the knife down and he looked to the side and there was a ram in the bush, in the thicket. God's provision was there. I wonder if he would have took time and argued with God if he'd have ever known God as a provider. I wonder if he wouldn't have got up the next morning and did what God said to do if he'd have ever been a friend of God. Here's the evidence of a friend of God. They obey instantly. They obey when it doesn't make sense. They obey when it hurts. They obey when it doesn't benefit us. And finally, they obeyed to completion. Abraham took it all the way to completion. He was ready to do exactly what God said to him to do. He was on his way to do it, and the Lord stopped him. You remember the story of Saul in the Old Testament? Do you know that Saul did 99% of the things that God wanted him to do? But the one thing he didn't do cost him. You realize that? Saul was really not a bad king. He was doing everything that God told him to do up until the point where he decided to disobey. And look how it went for him. Amen? Abraham, here's the funny thing. Abraham did what God said to do. The angel of the Lord came and told him to stop. He stopped and God provided a sacrifice. After sacrificing the sheep or the the ram, whatever it was, And worshiping God, the angel of the Lord began to prophesy what God had said to tell Abraham. Isn't that awesome? Do you know your next word from God is just on the other side of your obedience to God? Your closeness to God is just on the other side of your obedience to God? Are you getting this? You're one decision away from being in the presence of God. One decision. Isn't it funny how one decision can cost you so much? One decision. James says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's a decision. That's a decision we all have to make. I've been addicted. I've fallen into sin. I've had iniquity in my life. I had to learn how to resist the devil. And sometimes I had to learn how to resist my flesh. 
I had to give people refrigerator rights into my life where they could say to me, I see where you're going. Don't go there. I've given people the right to speak into my life. My pastor watches my waistline. If Big Daddy gets too big, he tells me something. Man of God, push away from the table. Man of God, you need to start exercising. And he gives me all these reasons why I need to. Are you seeing what I'm saying? We need people in our lives, amen? But most importantly, we need to be in the presence of God. You're, you're as close to God as you want to be. This morning, what I want to do, Allie, would you come up? Maybe grab Mamie's mic. Just sing something nice and pretty. I want you to stand up with me this morning. I want us to deal with this today. I don't want us to think about it too long. I don't want you to process it too much. I want you to stop trying to figure it out. I want you to simply draw close to God and let God draw close to you. Father, I bless you this morning. Bless you, Lord. I worship your holy and righteous name. Father, I want to be close to you. I want to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, if there's weight that's holding me back, if there's chains that are holding me back, if there's things that are getting in the way of our relationship, Lord, would you show them to me so that I can remove them, Lord? I just want you, church, if you need to come to the altar and repent, if you need to come and lay something down at his feet, the altar's open. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Let's deal with this today. Father, help us to be a church that stays in your presence. Lord, we're people that we get so addicted to your presence, Lord. And, Father, we're afraid to be out. We're afraid to be away. Whatever sin that entangles us, Lord, let us deal with it today, Father. Show us, Lord. Show us what's in our hearts. Show us what's in our hearts, Lord, so we can get it right. Because, Father, we want to be in your presence. Lord, we want to know you. We want to be close to you. No more excuses, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Come on, church, I want you to just lay it down at his feet. Lay it down at his feet. If there's pride in your life, lay it down at his feet. If there's arrogance in your life, lay it down at his feet. There's rejection and hurt and pain. Lay those things down so that they don't get in the way anymore. If there's sin in your life, deal with it today. The door's open. You've got access to the kingdom. You can come in and you can confess your sin. And he can forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If there's an unhealthy fear, if you've spent most of your life 
just being deathly afraid of God, come and lay that down this morning. Just lay that down. He's a loving God. Yes, he can get angry. That is one of his characters, but he's a loving God. If we'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. Come on, church. Press in. The presence of God is here. Just open your heart. Just open your heart. Just release those things. There's animosity in your marriage. There's resentment in your marriage. You need to deal with that today. If there's hurt and pain, deal with it today. If you're a man here and you've fallen short, you haven't been the man God's called you to be, deal with that today. Don't don't hide it. Don't fake it. Don't try try to compromise with it or come to a truce. Deal with it today. If you've got addictions that are keeping you from the presence of God, deal with them today. If there's things that you struggle with, if there's anger issues, character issues, there's immoralities, deal with it today. Come on, God is a, he's a respecter of persons. He loves you. He's no respecter of persons. He loves you. He doesn't care who you are. It doesn't matter your status. You come before God and you lay those things down and it's dealt with. Holy Spirit, just begin to work. Just move, Holy Spirit. Begin to move in the lives, Lord. I just release you, Holy Spirit, right now. Just move, Lord. Just move, Lord, by your presence. By your presence, Lord. Deal with it today. Deal with it today. Don't wait. Move, Holy Spirit. There's things bothering you. Let them go. There's unforgiveness. Let it go. If there's self-righteousness, let it go. If there's envy and jealousy, let it go. If you're jealous because somebody came into a relationship with you and somebody else and you can't help but treat that person bad, let it go. If there's a rage inside of you, let it go. Give it to God. The Bible says if you draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. Come on, this is an opportunity to draw close to him. If you've got a religious spirit and you've been faking it all this time, acting like everything's fine, everything's perfect, And you know you've been putting up a front. I don't care who you are. Come to the front. Come put it at the feet of Jesus this morning. Let's deal with that. Let that religious devil go. Let that legalism go. In the name of Jesus. You got a problem with alcohol and and gluttony. Problem with drugs, cigarettes, whatever it is. Whatever your addiction is. 
lay it at his feet. If there's pride and arrogance, There's deception where you think everything's fine. Let it go. You struggle with rejection. Let it go. Let it go. Deal with it today. Don't wait. Why wait till you get home? (laughs) Deal with it today. Let it go. In the name of Jesus, let it go. Release it. Let that burden go. Let that chain go. Let Let that weight go. Thank you, Lord. The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. He can't speak the truth. It'd kill him. He's a liar. And you don't have to walk under his power. You don't have to walk under his control. He does not own you. He does not control you. You've given your life to Jesus. You belong to the kingdom. You are made righteous by Jesus' blood. Satan has no more power over you. It's broken. Say that when we say I'm free. Say it again. I'm free. One more time. I'm free. Father, I bless you this morning. I give you praise, honor, and glory. I thank you for everyone in this room, Lord. I thank you that you're moving upon the hearts right now, Father. You're speaking truth to us, Lord. You're speaking truth over us. You're giving us your life, Lord. You're breathing life into us. Father, help us to remove every obstacle, every barricade that would keep you from breathing life into us, Lord. Right now, church, I just say to you... Receive his life, receive his blessing, receive his goodness, receive his presence. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Receive it. Just receive it. Jesus, I thank you for being a gracious and good God. Thank you, Lord. I bless your holy and righteous name. I declare your goodness on this earth and upon this church. You're mighty and strong, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sit down for a second. I could have come in here this morning with a message that said everything that you get from God when you get into his presence And I could have set you up with a bait that says, if you'll come into the presence of God, 
you'll get this, and you'll get this, and you'll get this. And then you would come into the presence of God just to get something from him. I didn't come that way. I came at it straightforward that we need to be in the presence of God. There's something inside of us, the Bible says, there's a, the spirit inside of us is jealous for the spirit of God. You know why it's jealous? Because it wants to be together. The spirit that God put inside of us is longing to be with God's spirit. Do you know that that's where that emptiness comes from when we get away from God? It's, it's almost like you disconnect the spirits and there becomes this void. You know, that's why people buy so much junk. You know, that's why they get addicted to so many things is because they're trying to feed that spirit. They're trying to cure that yearning of the spirit inside of them with something that can never cure it. Let me tell you something. Drugs cannot cure that yearning. Alcohol cannot cure that yearning. Materialism cannot cure that yearning. Nothing can fill the void in your life but the spirit of God. Amen? God's a jealous God. And you ought to be thankful for that. He doesn't take it lightly when we walk away from him. He doesn't take it lightly when we give our affections to something else. Amen? I love you. I really do. If I didn't love you, I'd have sugarcoated this whole thing. And let you walk out of here with a big old smile on your face, feeling all good, wagging your tail, saying, Jesus is mine. But I don't want you to be fake. Amen? May the Lord bless you, lead you, guide you, and direct you in every direction you head this week. May he order your steps. and May you walk in his presence. I just release that blessing over you, church. I bless you with the presence of God. I bless you with the leadership of his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.